I entitled the message tonight, Prepping Essentials. Hopefully it will get some people's attention. There's nothing wrong with prepping. In fact, Joseph was told that there would be seven years of plenty to save up for the seven years of famine. And we may prepare for our physical needs, and I think rightly so, but sometimes I think we may have overlooked our spiritual needs. We prep for our physical needs in case of an event that's out of our control, that perhaps we can get through that event. But how are we going to get through the event if our souls are not ready? If we have not put on what is necessary to do as Martin Luther, I'm right? Martin Luther wrote, amazing. From that many hundred years ago, and the battle continues. I want to ask a couple of questions. Is God's plan, did he plan to create a new society through the death of Christ? We are that group right now. God planned this. We're different than the world. That being the case, Satan will do his utmost to destroy it. It's God through Jesus Christ broken down the walls that divides human beings from different races and cultures from each other. Did he do that? That's what he did. Jesus came to break down the walls that were dividing between Jew and Gentile through the cross of Christ. That being the case, the devil through his emissaries will strive to rebuild those walls. Does God intend to his reconciled and redeemed people to live together in harmony and purity? Absolutely. And that's why we're gathered here tonight, showing that we're united together in one cause and one belief. Then the powers of hell will scatter among them us, the seeds of discourse and sin. This has been the case from the beginning because Satan has hated what God has done in creating mankind in his image and likeness. And he's determined to bring an end to that so that God may not lo no longer have any pleasure. And he's continuing to do it right up to the present time. There's always been war from the very beginning between Satan and the forces of good. With that, I want to read tonight from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. This is from the Amplified Bible. <clears throat> Paul writes, Be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from Him, and be empowered through your union with Him. And in the power of His boundless might, put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor 
of a heavily armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you may be able to, to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious, to stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth, which is personal integrity, moral courage, around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is an upright heart, and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace, in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness to produce by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion and every season, in the Spirit, and with this in view, with all prayer and petition, pray, interceding in prayer for all God's people. And Paul says, and pray for me, that the words may be given to me when I open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of salvation, for which I am an ambassador in chains, and pray that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly and courageous as I should. We don't have much time. I'll go through this as briefly as possible. First of all, when we're faced with an enemy as we're faced with the enemy of our souls, he's had practice for centuries upon centuries. We're never going to outwit him. We cannot overcome him on our own. Let's make that sure from the start. It's impossible. While this message tonight primarily is directed to those of us that are believers, if you're here tonight and you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you need to know that the enemy is still out there for your soul to prevent you from coming and making a decision to give your heart to Christ. He will do everything. You may come under conviction that you know that tonight is the night that you need to make that choice. And he'll do everything to persuade you not to make that choice. And you put it off till next week, and as soon as you go out that door, that seed that was sown has become useless. I urge you tonight, if that's you, don't wait till next week. We're not guaranteed of it. But Primarily, this is written to those of us that are believers. And Paul writes, he says, Be strong in the Lord, not in your strength, but in the Lord. Put on the full armor of God. This full armor of God 
It is not something you can pick and choose and, okay, I'm just going to have a shield or I'm just going to have a sword. No, no. He says, put on the whole armor of God. And there's a purpose for it, as, we, as we'll see as we go along. He writes in Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is at work in those who are disobedient. The ruler of the kingdom of the air is not a myth. The ruler of the kingdom of the air is well equipped and very cunning and he wants to disrupt what God is doing. He would do what he could in this place, the same thing. To what extent is he allowed to? I'm not sure. But he makes every effort to bring about division, to bring about sorrow, to bring about sin, to scatter the flock. That's what his business is all about. And he does it in his warfare, his guerrilla warfare. He doesn't meet you head on. He comes from beside and from behind. When you least expect it, the attack comes. Are you prepared when that attack comes? Don't underestimate the enemy. That's how we lose wars. But we need to realize that we are in a war. And the war is intensifying now like probably never before. Because all, all signs are pointing to the fact that the day of grace is drawing quickly to a, a close. And he, knowing that his time is coming, is intent on persuading as many people as he can from choosing Christ as their Savior and Lord. That's what his business is about. So Paul writes, he says, our struggle that we have, that we're going through, just talk to people. I'm amazed at the number of people that I talk to, and they're going through a struggle. And I've said to my sister that I call almost every day, I said, I don't remember a time in my lifetime like this. I mean, if you have a prayer list, <laughs> if you don't start writing it down, you're out of luck. The struggle is real. The battle that we're in is real. And if you don't feel it, something is wrong. But our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Let's not start fighting each other. That's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to fight each other, disagree with each other, complain about things. You know what? We're here together to love each other. Believe it or not. Someone spoke to me this morning after the service. Wanted a hug. I gave this person a big hug. And we hugged. And when we were done, I says, you know, I love you. When's the last time you had a fellow believer tell you, that they love you. We're part of a body. And God says that you're to love one another. Well, how do you express it? 
simplest thing is to say, I love you. Nothing wrong with that. And when Satan hears that, he's really dead set against it. Watch out. So our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not contending only with physical opponents, but against rulers, powers, world forces of this dark age. These are forces that do not belong to this world. These are heavenly forces. We're no match. The sooner we realize that we're no match for it, the better. We cannot fight this kind of warfare on our own. The enemy is cunning, and he's out for the souls of men. First of all, to say it's impossible for you to get saved because you're not part of a certain group of people. After you get saved, he says, you don't measure up. You're going to lose that. The promises of God are sure. They will not move. If he's promised you salvation and you've come to Jesus for your, the salvation of your sins and you've repented, asked his forgiveness, your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Believe it. Live it. Are you living as if that's the case? Here's the problem that we have. Jesus himself came to destroy the works of the devil. He destroyed the devil, it says. But we think that that has means annihilation. No. What he's actually done is he's taken away the influence. He's taken away any kind of authority. He's been defeated. But Satan has not acknowledged defeat. And he's out for each and every one of us, day in and day out. He's not admitting defeat. And that's the battle that we're up against. So what's Paul say? What are we supposed to do? He says, stand. Why do you say stand? It's a picture of a pugilist, and he's just finished his boxing match, and he's won the match. And his opponent comes back wanting to fight again. And he says, no, I'm not fighting. I won. And he stands his ground. I won the victory. Jesus has won the victory. And he's saying, because I've won the victory, you've won the victory. Stand, therefore, and put, and put on the complete armor of God. He knows that we need that armor. The problem is that sometimes we might think that we can depend on somebody else to fight the battles for us. But you know, when David met Goliath, Saul wanted to give him his armor. And David's final decision on that was, no, I can't take your armor. It hasn't been proved. I haven't proven it. In fact, it wouldn't fit him. You have to have your own armor. Each of us has to have our own armor in this battle. 
And we're fighting individually, first of all. If you get up and you haven't the armor on, and your fellow believer doesn't have his armor on, you're headed for defeat. At least have your armor on. And as we each have our armor on, we become a mighty army that Luther wrote about. We have a mighty army. We belong to that army. And Hades' gates cannot prevail against the church. Believe it, because Jesus said so. But we have a responsibility to put on this armor. And we stand firm. What I found interesting when I looked at this, as my mind went over this, this scripture, I had in my mind that it begins with the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and the girdle of truth. Until I started to look at it. And it doesn't start like that. It starts with the girdle of truth. And as I began to look at it and to see the historical meaning of it in the Roman army, that's what they would put on first, and everything else was attached to it and hung from it. We are challenged today with truth. Oh, you've got your truth, I've got my truth. No, truth. And truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Put on that truth. We need it more so now than ever. But the next thing is you, took, you put on that breastplate of righteousness, you attach it to that girdle around you. Everything has its basis on truth. If there's no truth, you're all at sixes and sevens. You've got nothing to guide your life. Bind on truth. Put on Christ. Put on this breastplate of righteousness. You were given it the moment you believed. Are you wearing it? If you're not wearing the breastplate of righteousness and the enemy begins to attack, that's what he's going to attack. You're not so good after all. You see? You don't read the Bible like you used to. You don't pray like you used to. You don't go to church like you used to. His attacks are coming. They're coming. And he's going to challenge your righteousness. He's challenging it all the time. Hold firm. Stand. Put on that breastplate of righteousness. God has declared me righteous no matter what you say, enemy. He's declared me righteous. And having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace. It's in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. That's the amplified version. You see, the enemy hates the gospel. The thing that challenges him the most and that he hates the most is the way in which he was defeated by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
He was raised. That resurrection was proof of the fact that Satan had been defeated. He no longer had power of death. He no longer had the keys of death and Hades. Jesus took those when he went into death, but he rose. And through the resurrection, we are able then to proclaim the gospel of peace. Not a gospel of division. Not dividing one church from another church, from one group to another church. But proclaiming the gospel of peace. And only God can give us that peace. And when we proclaim peace, we love one another. We have no enemies. We shouldn't have enemies within the body of Christ. We should be at perfect peace. This is a place where we need to come and rejuvenate. We've got a week, a week ahead of us. Sim's facing stuff this week. Other people are facing stuff this week. My sister's facing an operation tomorrow, if they can, because her veins are so poor they might not be able to get any anesthetic into her. Don't know how it's going to go. Everybody's facing it. So we've got the gospel of peace. And above all, Paul says, take the shield of faith. That shield that the Roman soldiers held was from here down to the feet. It's not a little shield. You see, those darts come. They're fiery darts. These are the darts that when you get struck, you get burned. Ever been burned? I think we've all been burned at one time or another. And you find out that those fiery darts are not so pleasant. You need the shield of faith. God is a shield to those who take refuge in him. The only refuge you have and the only way in which you can defeat, defeat this enemy is to have the shield of faith. Is it your faith? Jesus says, when I come back, will I indeed find faith on the earth? Where did you get your faith from? It was the gift of God. You're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. God gave you that faith, it's his faith. Will his faith fail? You say, oh, my faith is weak. If your faith is in yourself, it's weak. Then you're going to be defeated by the enemy. But it's God's faith. And we go out against the battle and we're armored and we have a shield of faith that's able to quench the darts of the evil one. Then, after all of that, we come to the helmet of salvation. How do you know you're saved? Is it all in your mind? How do you know for sure? Just look at your life. It doesn't look as if you're saved. You're no different than anybody else in the world. If you don't have that helmet of salvation and say, yes, I know, I know that I know that I know I've been saved. Jesus is my salvation. He's my hope. He's my Savior. What can Satan do against that? 
Nothing. He has to turn away. He knows that he's been defeated. He's trying his best to persuade you that you're not saved. Put that helmet on. You're going to need it. It's the helmet that reminds you of your salvation. Go back to the day that you were first saved. And remember. And then this sword that we have been given. This is not a javelin. This is a sword. The battle's personal. This is up in your face, hand-to-hand combat. Do you realize that this is the battle that we're in? If we realize that this is the battle that we're all in, we would link together, we would form an army, we would lock arms, we would take on the enemy full force. And here's the thing, in this journey that we're on and we're in this battle, we lose some of the soldiers. You know what I'm talking about? We all have loved ones that we wish were here. There are those that have gone to be with the Lord that were part of the army and they were fighting the battle. What are we going to do? Close the gap. Each of us has to close the gap. All right? We're an army. We're moving forward. Nothing's going to prevent us from facing that enemy. He's been defeated, and he's not going to defeat us. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mind. He's defeated. Don't succumb to the enemy. But you know, this sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And here's the thing. How much of the Word of God do you know? I've been on the road a long time. I don't know if I know 10% of it. Don't all of a sudden get into a battle and into the fight and then think you're going to pull out the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and use it in battle when you haven't read it and you don't know it. We can all improve in this area. But that sword is the Holy Spirit. It is the Word of God. And we can use it in the battle. I realized this at a very young age, in my teen years. I was up against opposition when I was in my teens. And I learned in those days, my answer always came from the Scripture. But the Scripture says, and it stopped people in their tracks. But the Scripture says this, the enemy had to stop. The sword of the Spirit is strong, it's powerful. Can divide between marrow and what is it, Lee? Help me out in my senior years. Yeah, joints and marrow. Thank you, thank you. That was a senior's moment. Then Paul says, with all prayer and petition, pray. 
Once you've got all the armor on, pray. What do you do after that? Pray. What do you do after that? Pray. Where did the armor come from? So when he says put on the whole armor of God, what's the whole armor of God? Paul writes elsewhere, he says, put on Christ. He's the armor. He's truth. He is our righteousness. He is our salvation. He is the word of God become flesh. He is the shield of faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. To defeat the enemy that we're all having to be up against. And each of you are fighting different battles, I know. But the only answer is to put on Christ. We must close ranks. The saying goes, united we stand, divided we fall. Well, that's true. And if we really realize that this is the battle we're in, we will unite. We have a common enemy. Let me finish with reading one verse from, if you know the piece, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Familiar to some of you? This is the second verse. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, strong defender of my weary heart, my sword to fight the cruel deceiver and my shield against his hateful darts, my song when enemies surround me, my hope when tides of sorrow rise, my joy when trials are abounding, your faithfulness, my refuge in the night. Some of us will be facing battles of our own this week. I pray that it's not a battle that we've started on our own, but we're part of the Lord's battle. Sometimes we get into the fight and we caused it. I know what it's like. I hope that we're encouraged tonight, that this enlightens us a little bit, that our warfare is not of this world, and we're up against a very, very strong army. But the word of the Lord is what's going to take him down. We have the sword of the Spirit. The word of God is powerful, very powerful.